Did you know in Canada we have no fair catch rule? No fair catch? No fair catch. Holy mackerel. <laughs> you know, Hopefully there's aspirin on the side with the medics. Somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> no fair catch? Injuries? I see some pain. Ah, uh, that could be kind of dangerous. I believe somebody would get killed like that. <laughs> you guys like it violent up there, huh? <laughs> CFL. We play by our own rules. Why do you think it takes you guys four downs to get ten yards? We only need three up there. Because we always make mistakes. Oh, uh, we're just kind of slow, you know, laid back. Got to get an extra down in before we can get our ten yards. Yeah, well, they give us one just in case. I love four downs. Uh, first down, second down, third down, you know, fourth down. They're saying you're better than us. They want the game to go slower, I guess, for the commercials. Y'all are obviously better. Must be the long winters, maybe. They have longer legs. Are they faster? <laughs> Is there, you know, better gene pool? In the CFL, the play clock is 20 seconds rather than 40. 20 second play clock. Quicker, quicker tempo. Well, they better be a lot smarter men on the field then. Yeah, man, the respiratory system needs to be in good shape. The defense. Oh, boy, that's fast. I mean, you got to get yeah. it done. I'd say 30 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> i get them an extra 10 seconds. <laughs> 20 seconds, you know, that, would, that would keep things moving and moving. grooving. You know, in the Canadian Football League, we have 12 guys instead of 11. What do you think, an extra man out there? Of course. They all look good in their pants. <laughs> Ooh. Can I take him home? I think you can ha never have too many men in tight pants on a football field. And we have unlimited motion in our backfield. Wow. Wow. You know? <laughs> the whole new realm of possibilities, huh? And, and they're ready to go again in 20 seconds. Where is this again? That's interesting. I may have to rest up a little. <laughs> CFL, i got to watch it. Go Canada. Well, here we go, another show, another opportunity to talk Canadian Football League, and I have the pleasure of uh, talking tonight to uh, James Pop. I don't know if he likes being called James. Jim Pop, as we all know him, and uh, of course, he came from the Montreal Alouettes to the Toronto Argonauts uh, a couple of years ago, and in his first year, he masterfully, I think it was masterful, and with a, a great head coach brought a gray cup to Toronto last year. Wasn't so what wasn't, wasn't as good, let's say as his first year, but the fact remains that the game of football can be unpredictable. So this is the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Jim pop Jim. Welcome to the program. First of all, this is Mike Townsend. Oh, it's Mike Townsend. Yes. Oh shit. Nah, if you want to give me an interview, Frank, I'd be gladly to go ahead and well, accept I, I, I was calling you and your number didn't work. <laughs> well, I'm supposed to have I, Jim I pop on. I, oh, okay. You know what? I got to pull the screen over. I only had half the screen over, so I only saw the last few numbers. But anyway, oh, okay. Well, I, I'm going to have Jim pop on. Um, I, uh, I, I was going to say, and I am going to continue saying, that uh, the Toronto Argonauts uh, have, you know, his first year went really well. They won the Great Cup. Mike, we were there. We saw it. Yeah, we, we were there live and in person, Frank, and we saw it. And, you know, that was a good year for to be an Argo fan. You know, um, the next year wasn't so great. But, I mean, hey, man, Jim Pop is a man going to be back in the hunt this year. Um, can't tell you what first or second seed, but I think they're going to be a better team than what they were the previous season here. Uh, I think part of the part of the important factor that's involved here is that the team 
Um, I think it's important to note that they had a bad year last year, but it was full of injuries. Now, unfortunately, in sports, we can't use injuries as an excuse. There may have been a lot. Mike, if you were to think of uh, what would be the most important change that the Toronto Argonauts would have to make, and then I'll share my opinion. And we'll check with Pop later. Um, okay. The, the, to me, the, 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 number, the number one change, I think, that the Argos uh, should have made, and I think they did going into this upcoming season, Frank, is the quarterback position. I mean, you didn't trade for James Franklin for nothing. So, if you got him, use him. You got to see what you can get out of him. Absolutely. That's what they should have did last year when um, uh, what's the guy named Bethel Thompson played? He played well, but he didn't get the team over that hump that they needed. You understand what I'm saying? He didn't put no wins on the board, and I think. If Tressen would have pulled him and put Franklin in and see what he can get, maybe the the win loss numbers would be different than what they were. I think also one of the problems last year, and I, and I'll ask Jim about that. Um, you know, planning for the kinds of quarterbacks that they have now, as opposed to the one they had until he was injured last year, namely Ricky Ray, might be an important thing to realize. And to ask Jim, because the team never – you never expect a, a quarterback in the CFL to make it through the whole season. It's not an expectation you should have. But nobody expected him to go in the first game. No, they didn't. No, they didn't, Frank. And, you know, freak injuries happen. You know what I'm saying? And uh, as they always say, next man up, because you never know when things might happen. It could be the first play of the game. Heck, it could be like when Henry Burns got injured – during warm-ups, you know, you, things happen. So you got to be prepared for what-ifs. And, and I don't think that they were fully prepared for the what-ifs. And um, I believe the team was kind of shook when Ray went down. So uh, I think this upcoming season, when you have Franklin as your guy and then you got the new addition, Brandon Bridge, you're going to see what you can get out of him. So I, Toronto Argos, man, are, are, are right where they need to be, Frank. They got their two quarters back that they need get the chemistry with the new guy that you're going to have in, that you brought in. Um, And I think they'd be okay, Frank. Just a little shuffle of the cards, you know. Brandon Bridge. There are similarities between he and Franklin. There are similarities between them. They both can run with the ball. They both have really good arms. Um, I think Franklin, the difference may be Actually, even personality-wise, even though even though they're not they're not aggressive guys, I don't get the impression that they're very aggressive. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, they yeah, they don't yeah. look like they're in heat. You know, they're very. I don't want. I, I hate to say relaxed because that almost sounds like oh wow. You know, they don't really care or whatever. Uh, but they are kind of relaxed quarterbacks. How, how important is it to have that intensity? And can these guys develop that intensity? Do they need to develop that intensity? Well, well, Frank. Just imagine. Just, just remember a couple of years ago when James Franklin had that had them. I think with them three or four starts in Edmonton, uh, he was that cool hand Luke. You know, he didn't really show that much emotion. He didn't go out there yell, scream, and command the uh, offense. He just went out there and played his type game. You understand what I'm saying? He was successful on the way he runs the offense when he's in there. And along with Brandon Bridge, 
I mean, Frank, a couple of years ago, we thought Brandon Bridge was going to be the next third quarterback for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders where he played when Kevin Glenn slumped. You know, he came in there, commanded the offense. Uh, when there wasn't nobody around him, he took it and run. I mean, the guy played lights out football. You know, we were like, hey, this dude is doing good, you know. This is what we've been looking well, for. They don't have to have that killer instinct to be the leader of that team. Just go out there and be the leader that they are and don't try to do something that you know you're not or that you know you can't do. Be yourself. And that's what they've been doing. And that's what made them successful. And, of course, success um, is, I guess, winning a great cup. But this year, what would success be? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say as far as uh, Brandon Bridge is concerned, he has a talent. I, I'm sure he has the ability, the physical ability. What hasn't developed yet and what needs to be developed is his mental toughness and his ability to master the position between the ears. And can he do that? Uh, many of us hope he can. Uh, you know, not just not just Argo fans, but I think football fans. We're we're all rooting for him here in Canada. We're all rooting in, for him because he's you know he's the you know he's got the, the the maple leaf on his back. He's the guy carrying the mantle for quarterbacks that are Canadian, and uh, that is why I think maybe maybe sometimes maybe he might be having a little more pressure on him uh, than he should. Then again, you know, maybe at some point a quarterback is going to be considered Canadian as opposed to neutral because quarterbacks are neither American, Canadian, or any other kind of import. So we'll see how that works. In as far as the offense is concerned, it it will have to change. It will have to look more like an offense that is operated by two guys with really good arms. At, uh, At the meeting with all the fans at the town hall, uh, it was clearly mentioned by Pop that this team will, in fact, be looking further downfield more often. How important do you think that is? <laughs> Frank, I mean, you guys just got Darrell Walker into the mix. So going down the field more, oh, I, I, I plan on seeing some bombs. You understand what I'm saying? You got a deep threat, and also he can play in the middle of the field real well, you know. Uh, I, I think you on the right path, Frank, when it comes to the guys that y'all brought in to go with some of the other guys. I mean, you got S.J. Green still available. That's uh, on the roster. Darrell Walker, uh, little guy uh, that played quarterback for Appalachian State. Oh, my God, I can't think of his name. You know what I'm talking about, the little receiver guy that played for Saskatchewan, then he came over uh, to Toronto a couple years ago. Amani Edwards. There you go. Edwards. And uh, Yeah, Edwards. I couldn't hear you, Frank. It's almost kind of okay. No worries. No worries. Um. And, and you still got a couple of other guys that was there that can that can actually be ingrained into the mix. So the, the Argos are headed in the right direction. I have no worries that the Argos will be a better team than they were last year. No doubt in my mind. I mean, Hop is a mastermind, as I said earlier. Yeah, they they've got some. They they brought in some talent that you know that that obviously speaks to moving the ball downfield, which is really the important thing on offense on offense. They have been a, a team that had difficulty last year and they were an offense that was run. And the plan last year was the plan last year was to be run by a hall of famer like Ricky Ray, who, you know, 
I'm going to say wasn't flashy, at least at the end of his career. But he was work in workmanlike. That means that he moved the ball downfield. It may not have looked, you know, real razzle dazzle, but he would get the ball downfield. And when the defense gave him good field position, he was able to find the end zone. Last year, that didn't quite happen for the Argonauts. Uh, they were having difficulty finding the end zone. That was one of the biggest problems they had. Uh, getting to the red zone was hard enough, but once they got there, they couldn't convert. Is it possible with a guy like Darrell Walker, and they have a few other guys now that they brought in that, that could possibly be you know, the guys that help get that ball in the end zone? Oh yeah, Frank. Uh, of of course. And see the thing, and the thing what's going to be different about the Argos from this year than last year? You have a new head coach. Hey, you understand what I'm saying? And that playbook might be the type of playbook where that coach feels that he can go down the field more often than none. You know what I'm saying? With the type of receivers that you have, I mean, because if you think about it, I mean, you got AJ Green, Frank, who can who can still play at a high level any given day that hasn't seemed like he slowed down a bit. Uh, I mean, just a couple of years when he had the, the knee surgery or the, the horrific knee injury, they thought he wasn't going to play again. But he comes back and have a monster season and then still have a decent season last year. So, you know, this guy shows you that he can still play at a high level and you can go down the field with him. And then you add a guy like Darrell Walker that can actually command a double team which will leave one of the other guys open, I mean, the offense, the offense is going to suit them real well because in the Argos offense with the guys that you have, somebody's going to be double teamed, and that means somebody's going to be open. They also brought in uh, some, some beef at running back. Uh, a guy we both liked, Terrell, Terrell Sutton, or Tyrell yes, Sutton, that was in Montreal, and then we both agreed, wow, Good move by BC. Now, of course, Montreal brought in a, uh, a running back that was really good to replace him before they sent him. But we've always liked his style, and it seems right now uh, they appear to be a team that's going to go with a running game that's, uh, you know, knock them over running backs. Yeah, Frank, and, and you know, that was that was a that was a very good move uh, to bring in Terrell Sutton in. I mean, because you you can take some of the pressure off of James Wilder. You understand what I'm saying? And uh, is it, he's, he's still on the roster this year, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was there at okay. the town okay. hall. That, that's what I thought. And uh, you're going to take some of the pressure off of James Wilder. And, you know, having a two-headed monster running back, a guy that's able to get you a 1,000 yards just like James Wilder is, come on, man, James Wilder can do also. I mean, come on. You You need that two-headed game. You need it. It's very also, you know, in the offense. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Terrell Sutton, Wilder, strong guys. Then you have a guy like Chris Rainey coming out of the backfield. We've seen him score a few touchdowns at BMO Field for the BC Lions. And, of course, he, he's well known to, to pop since he brought him to the Montreal Alouettes. He's another guy that, you know, maybe uh, he has something to prove, you know, you know what they say about Father Time. Uh, Father Time has never lost a bet. Oh wow! Okay, I, I didn't know Chris Rennie was brought into the mix there, but now, yep. now, you, now we order, we order something here, Frank. The return game is going to be even more explosive than what it was last year. Putting Chris Rennie back there, punt returns and kickoffs. Even if you don't put him out there um, 
in the backfield. Kickoffs and punt returns, we're going to see a lot more yardage than what we were used to seeing with this guy because, you know, he's capable of taking it to the house at any given time. Instant field position. Exactly. And that's an important factor if you're a football team. So um, that, that'll help the special teams a little bit. The, the question is how helpful is it going to be? Um, you know, uh, we don't know. We don't know yet how how important a guy like Chris Rainey will be, except for the fact that he's a veteran and he's done it before. And you know, there might be some people betting on him, maybe having a little too much too much mileage on him. It's a good opportunity, like I said, for him to show what he can do. And I do know that that he has shown us over the years he's been able to get key touchdowns at key times. He's he's a guy who makes the big play when he can and does, you know, convert. And, and that's the kind of thing the team needs. They also brought in a Canadian Mercer Timmis, Timmis, sorry, Mercer Timmis. And Mercer Timmis is another big guy. That's like a Terrell Sutton that can come into the backfield. And, and, you know, the Argos have a couple of good Canadians on the team, quite a few actually. And this guy's another addition to the team that might be helpful with the Argos. From the Hamilton Ticats. You got it. Oh, Frank, when this guy did get into the uh, to the mix last year, he was showing some good flashes. I mean, he made some good moves and was, and was getting some good yardage every time he got the ball. I thought the tight catch should have used him a little bit more than what they did. But, yeah, this is a good pickup for the Argos. I mean, wow. You're going to have ball moving all around the, around the board there. Is there enough football well, to go around? Yeah, I think I think there might be, but then you never know, right? <laughs> you never know. You're right. The uh, the offense with these guys is going to be very good. We talk about the quarterbacks as we do all the time. You you mentioned S.J. Green, who is, um, you know, he's somebody that we both respect, and he has proven that he's definitely not done yet. His injury did not affect him his first year back. His second year back didn't affect him at all. He looked really good. Mind you, though, he was working within an offense that was struggling, and, and that is something that, you know, it's not just a question of him not contributing to make the offense better. I think the offense wasn't good enough to, to allow him the opportunity to get free a little more. And he did show us he still has the ability to make the moves. He has the ability to get rid of defense defensive players, and he showed us he can make some big catches, you know, as he did at the beginning of last year. He made some really nice catches. So, you know they're okay oh, yeah. in that regard, and 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 I think they'll they'll be fine. I think the real question for their offense, I, I believe, is will Anthony Coombs be healthy? That's the key. You know they they've had some bad luck. Anthony's had some bad luck being healthy and not be healthy, and get out early. And last year I think he only played about six games, and uh, he was in yeah. and out and then in and then out again. Yeah, if, so, if it was six games, I don't even think it was six games, uh, right? I, I, I'm inclined to, to not disagree with you. I was being generous. Right. And and you know what? And, and I feel bad for Anthony Coombs because we never really got a chance to see what he was all about on the football field. You know, and I and I think with and, – and there's no disrespect to Coombs. I think he's just injury prone, had a little bad luck. I, I think it might be time. If he can't get it together this year, I, I think it might be time to hang him up. 
Then I feel bad well, for the guy, Frank, because I always wanted to see the type of talent that he had coming out of college. You know, you talked about well, him a he lot. Showed us, he uh, showed us the first year what he could do. You know, that's just it. I mean, he did show us what he could do. And what he could do was amazing. And and that's, I think, all you can say. Health, unfortunately, is is a, you know is something you have to be blessed with. It's not something you're guaranteed to have. Right, and I hope that he has a good season this year. I hope he's come back 100 percent and have a have a, a, a don't have an injury year. I, I want to see what he can do on a football field. I got to see a little bit more corners. I like the guy too. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's hard not to like, right? Exactly. I mean, the kids are, the kids are an honest player, a very talented, a joy to watch. I had the opportunity. I've had the opportunity to get to talk to him from time to time. I got to see him in the environment on the team. He's uh he's a he's a he's a good kid. He's a, and and when I say he's a kid, he's a kid. He's only been in the league a few years. He just hasn't had a chance to have an injury-free year yet. And and that is not that that doesn't help one's progress. I mean, it it isn't wasted in the sense that he's had a lot of time to work on the game mentally because he's had an opportunity to be around the team. He's had a chance to work with the coaches. He's had a chance to go through the drills, if not go through the drills, witness the drills, even though maybe he's doing therapy on the sidelines. He's with the team. Um, You know, there's that opportunity to, to, to grow, but the frustration of being around the team and not being able to make a contribution can't be that great. Right. Well, we'll see what happens, Frank. This year, I hope I hope that he uh, has a good season. I'm pulling for him. Yeah, we'll see if he does. Uh, the yeah. next thing, I guess, uh, you know, we can talk about uh, the rest of the offense. James Wilder has to has to be better. Now, is yes. it the offensive line that was the problem? I'm not asking, not telling. Just a, a rhetorical question. Um, would a would a better offensive line help? Uh, would a new voice, when it comes to the offense, offense help? Uh, does Jacques Chaptelain is he a guy, a very experienced coach? He is the quarterbacks and offensive coordinator. Uh, he has had a lot of success. Uh, he's been to Saskatchewan, BC, Montreal. Pop knows him from Montreal. Uh, does this guy have the system that can be applied with a quarterback like Franklin? Uh, I think he can, but he does have he, he does have he does have a history. People do know what he expects, and players should understand that this guy has a history. No different, you know, than Tressman in the sense that not as experienced as Tressman. Please don't let me mislead people into thinking that, but he has had a lot of experience, which you might consider more than the average experience for an offensive coordinator in the Canadian football league. So this guy's been around, has a lot of experience and has done a lot of great things with, and uh, you know, with his teams and uh, his offenses. So we'll see what he can contribute to the team. We all know that offense also relies on other things. And that is the intangibles that, you know, uh, the, the team needs where, they're able to make big plays. And the question is, do they have the players that make big plays? Well, I mentioned a guy, and, and I really think that he's the kind of guy, a Chris Rainey can make a big play. A Terrell Sutton can make a big play. Edwards can make, a Monty Edwards can make a big play. 
Um, I don't think anybody doubts that S.J. Green can make a big play. Uh, James Wilder, maybe not by last year's standards, but maybe by this year's standards, he might be able to show us again that he can make the big play. How important do you think the big play is for an offense and this Toronto team in particular? What was the last part you said, Frank? I couldn't hear my phone was acting up. How important is the big play to the Toronto Argonauts and their offense? Oh, Frank, they, the big play is, is, is going to be really important. This is what they're going to need to put some points on the board or move the ball down the field because if you can't get a big play and move that ball down that yard line, one thing you're going to be doing is having a lot of outs. And right now, the piece, the pieces that you have, you can't afford to have two and outs. So this is where what you mentioned early is this the offensive line problem. You didn't answer, or you just, or you didn't ask a question, or you didn't answer it. If the offensive line is going to block for you, uh, do you have time to get the ball to your receivers? Uh, will the offensive line open up the holes for the running back to get through it to get the yardage that they need for a first down, or uh, get the yardage that they need to keep the ball moving? You need that big play, point blank. Because if you don't, it's going to be a long day at the office. The other thing that offense requires, as good as the quarterbacks are, they're not that good without, a, with a, without an offensive line. Uh, the Argos have made some moves on the offensive line. And I think, especially with young quarterbacks, as much as you want with an older veteran quarterback, you want to protect a veteran quarterback, the why, well, the why of protecting a veteran quarterback is you want him to remain healthy, right? Because he has that old teetering body uh, that one hit and that could be it for a while. But on the other hand, it also is required. So I guess what I'm going to, what I'm saying is the offensive line, no matter who's back there is very important. If it's a young guy, he might need a few, a split second longer than a veteran might. Yeah. And, 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 and one thing you mentioned, Frank, you hit the nail on the head there, having an old veteran QB, uh, all it takes is for one nice massive train wreck as a hit, as a hit to uh, have him riddled on the sidelines. You understand what I'm saying? Not with a young guy, take a couple of licks, pick, get up, shake it off. But you know, injuries are injuries. Things happen. You know what I'm saying? And that offensive line is going to be the key to actually keeping your quarterback up right during the season. So. Um, I don't know what type of moves y'all make because I really don't watch the offensive line that much. So if you can, you know, shed some light on that, I would appreciate it on the new additions on the offensive line that y'all picked up. Absolutely. Well, it's a team that requires and does get uh, a lot of attention here in Toronto on television. A lot of people criticize, uh, you know, the amount of fans that go out. But still, um, I I personally uh, think that this team has something to prove. And – I believe they can prove it. And the difference when we talk about quarterback last year, the difference between your number one, your number two, and number three, the difference in one and two was massive. Two and three, not yep. so much. In fact, it played out. You know, uh, whether it was Bethel Thompson or or Franklin, you really didn't. There what didn't seem to be that much difference. This year, there isn't going to be a drop off. I don't think when you go from one, two, and three to start. How important is the fact? that you do have that, at least the security and knowing that, that you have 
three quarterbacks that are pretty similar in talent and in ability and have something to prove that have had a bit more opportunity to be CFL quarterbacks and how they bring that. Cause all three of them have the exact same resume. They have shown some flashes, um, um, uh, some flashes that of, of greatness, but we haven't seen them do it consistently. And, 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 and yeah, we did everything that needs to be said for the quarterbacks. You have one, one A, and two. That's what I look at it. One, one A, and two. Uh, they are, they all are similar. Young guys, not a lot of experience, uh, flashes. But after a while, Frank, of being in the league for a while, you know, the flashes of showing that they could be great quarterbacks just doesn't cut it in the CFL anymore. I mean, because these guys, okay, Frank has been in the league, what, four or five years here, I'm guessing, uh, four years. Uh, Bridge been in the league, what, four years? Um, and Bethel Townsend, I think he was, what, three, somewhere up in there. After your first rookie year, you're seeing some taste on the field. You can say, hey, this guy, got some, he's showing some flashes. But going into your second and third year, fourth year, and you're still at the point where you're showing flashes, uh it, it just don't cut it. You got to get over that home. And for these three guys, say whoever's going to be the starter, or whoever's going to be the second string, they got to get the team over the hump. Yeah, I, so, I think this is just one A, B, and C right now. Although, yeah, Franklin is being given the number one tag. Mike, he's the okay. guy that that Pop and company are considering the number one quarterback. But it's not, you know, he's still going to have to prove himself in in training camp. Mm-hmm. And where is the veteran quarterback going to come in at? We need a veteran back there, Frank. Regardless, if he's your fourth stringer sitting there in street clothes on a practice roster, we need that veteran. We got to have that veteran. They got Prukop, another young quarterback. I I don't know that they're actually considering bringing in a veteran quarterback. I I just don't think uh, it's happened. I just don't think it's happening. I mean, that's something we could. We could have asked Pop if he showed up. There's, uh, I have the Argos are, are trying to get a hold of, uh, for those of you that are just joining us, we're looking forward to hearing what Jim Pop had to say. The GM of the Toronto Argonauts, the Argos are trying to get a hold of him. Uh, something must have come up. I hope he's okay. I hope everything around him is okay. Uh, right now, though, uh, we're not going to have him on as it looks right now. It looks uh, kind of disappointing, of course, but there's bigger things to worry about other than that. And uh, we'll wait to hear what happens. And uh, if he doesn't come on tonight, hopefully we'll be able to reschedule. So for those of you that are interested in waiting for Jim pop to come on, I apologize. He hasn't been on yet. I don't really don't know when we'll be able to have him come on, but I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll get an answer from the Argos as to whether he will be on or not, but it's not looking very good now, as far as I'm concerned. So the Argonaut offense is something that, that, We've talked about it. It is one that has a new coach. Uh, it has a new look as far as starting the season is concerned at quarterback. And there are a few interesting running backs. And we talked about Darrell Walker. Darrell Walker's here for, on a one-year contract. Uh, he knows and is friends with James Franklin. Uh, they talk. They talk uh, a bit. And uh, they had a lot of success together. 
And before he came, he had a talk with Franklin. And, and I really think they, they're both glad the other is here, Mike. And those are the kinds of relationships that happen in football. You know, it's, it's a small world. You, you end up back near people you knew. You know a lot of people, whether you played against them, whether you played with them, or, you know, they're in the same league as you and, and you become aware of their ability, their talent, or you watch them from the sidelines. How important do you think it is for a guy like Franklin, who really didn't have the greatest year last year, to have a comfort guy like Darrell Walker, a guy who has a lot of faith in him, and a guy that Franklin has thrown to and had a lot of success with? Well, Frank, you know, when they were both with, uh, with the Edmonton Eskimos, you see the chemistry there. Uh, when Franklin did have his three starts, I mean, granted, at the time, Darrell Walker was playing next to uh, A.B., there's Bowman. Uh, and the rest of them guys over there. But they all had chemistry, Frank. Jeff Franklin had good chemistry with the receivers over there. And then for Darrell Walker to sign with the Argos on a one-year deal, North Franklin's about to be the guy, that's that, that's a safety net. If I don't, if you don't see it nowhere else, that's a safety net. Because he know, okay, I have chemistry with Darrell Walker. Um, I know which way he like, the way he like to get the ball, where he like to get the ball thrown to. And I don't, I don't work a year with a couple of other receivers. Uh, we can have a dangerous receiving core here, along with Darrell Walker. Oh, Frank, the sky's the limits for your team and your quarterback. Absolutely, you got, absolutely. You got, you, to me, this receiving core is going to look like the old receiving core when you have Adele Hazleton, Gurley, uh, Deontay Spencer, uh, Elliott. When y'all had all them guys out there just balling out of control and. They look like the best receiving core in the, in the league. <laughs> but it all it all starts, you know, Mike. In, in all seriousness, and 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 whether you said that kidding or, or serious, it really isn't. No, I was um, serious. I was oh, serious. Okay. Uh, but but regardless of whether that, that you are serious, okay, great. And 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 what I what I'm going to say is this, and, and that is that there has to be a distraction for the defense on a on a on a regular basis throughout a game. In, in other words. If your offense doesn't require the defense to think or to guess, you're not going to have much success. So it's really important that you get the the defense a little off kilter. And a guy like Darrell Walker with his deep threat, and we talked about this all last year, the deep threat just means that they can't afford to come up too far. And if they can't come up too far, when you were talking about Hazleton and company, if you have a guy – you're covering because he's a big threat. The other guys are getting a little better look and a better, uh, you know, their, their roots or routes are, you know, are a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and one thing Frank about it here is if the Argos made some um, key additions for that offensive line, which, uh, could be better this year than what it was last year. You're talking about going down the field. I think this team would be going down the field more often than none, especially with the offensive line that can block for these guys. Look at your weapons. You're going to have Terrell Sutton, uh, James Wilder, Darrell Walker, Monty Edwards, S.J. Green. Um, I don't know if I don't. I can't think of the other guy that was out there playing. But look at the Coons. three receivers that I just Coons. But look at the three receivers that I just named. 
all had monster year last year. I mean, Amani Edwards had a monster year last year, and along with S.J. Green. I mean, look at the receiving core that you got and the quarterback that you have with the strong arm that can get the ball down the field. You have caliber guys that can that that can put the ball in the end zone at any given time here, especially coming out the backfield as receivers. Oh, man. Absolutely. I'm Candid Frank. That's Michael Townsend. We're hoping to get Jim Pop in, but it doesn't look too good. And this is live, so you're listening to live radio. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue with more CFL talk. The yeah, line of scrimmage be. in the Canadian game are a yard apart rather than on the tips of the ball. How do you think that would affect play? Hey, you know, the, the difference is, hey, hey, NFL, we're like this, right? Right, right here, you're going inside, boy, you're going to get it. Right. You're going right. outside, I'm going with you, right? Right. Okay, but in ball, now I, now, now I got to square up. I got to square up and look at you, right? And when you start to make a move, then I'm going to turn my hips, all right? You're going to go, I'm going to go. Go, 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 go. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you got it. That's football, Canadian style. <laughs> How you doing today, sir? Right on. You uh, you think the NFL going to three downs is a good idea? You like a 20-second play clock? No fair catch rule up there. A lot more scoring. CFL. Thanks a lot. Not getting much out of this guy. CFL. That's where the action is. It's all about being Canadian, you know. I met Clemens one night, uh, pinball, and uh, there was about 10 of us, and uh, he remembered everybody's name when he left. He said, Chris, see you later. Mark, see you later. Tim, see you later. And he remembered everybody's name. I was so taken back by that. I was like, you know, here's a person that doesn't have to know who you are, but chooses to because he knows, you know, you're important. It's about being a person. It's what you can do with it, not what you can get out of it. And I think that's good. That's what I like about the CFL. That was a surprising end. Sorry about that. That cut out. I guess it's going to be that kind of night, huh? You're listening to CFL Talk, uh, Candid, Frank, and Live. Uh, also, i got to be candid. Uh, it is my hope that uh, Jim Papu has a history, and the Argos assure me, and I know for a fact, that he's always a timely guy, always on time. So I pray that uh, nothing uh, serious is going on. I hope he and his are fine. Um, this is uh, less of a concern, the fact that he's not on. What's more of a concern, hopefully not, is why he's not on. So I hope everything's okay. Uh, Mike has also left the building. <laughs> I guess I'm on my own. All right, so um, we talked about the offense of the Toronto Argonauts. Tonight we were dedicating our conversation about the Toronto Argonauts. We we're starting with them. And... Uh, We've had a chance to talk about the offense. Uh, we've had a chance to mention that Jacques Chapelain is uh, the head, um, sorry, the offensive coordinator and the guy that runs the quarterbacks. And of course, they've made some new new players part of the Argos, and the Argos now have three youngish quarterbacks: one A, B, and C. And of course, that's uh, Franklin, Bethel, Bethel Thompson, and Brandon Bridge. Um, and that's something that we're thinking about. But let's move on to the defense, and the head coach runs the defense, Corey Chamblin. Um, had a chance to go. Um, we were hoping to have a conversation with this, and I have uh, stored all the stuff from the um, 
Argo Town Hall. And unfortunately, I can't bring it up right now. Uh, wasn't really worried about bringing it up right now because we were going to talk to Jim Pop. Um, and we've slipped into talking about the Argos since he wasn't here and Mike was here and we started talking about the Argos. What I can tell you uh, in listening to the commissioner and, and listening to the Argos talk publicly, and by Argos I mean James Wilder, Darrell Walker, uh, Pinball did his regular closing ceremonies, and of course the head coach, Corey Chamberlain, and of course the GM, Jim Pop. And uh, Mike Hogan was the host, uh, the radio play-by-play guy for the Toronto Argonauts. And it was a very interesting evening. And I, I got to say, uh, the commissioner, and I was having fun with him, uh, I yelled, percent. And if you're there and if you've heard his little thing, and you can see it on uh, CFL.ca, you can see his his uh, dissertation on CFL 2.0. And how, as, as he said, I don't know how it became Randy 2.0. Well, it became Randy 2.0, I guess, because it was the easiest way to describe uh, what it was about and and who was talking, and it was him. And he, uh, to to review it in a very short, um, well, short, uh, an easy way, I'll start by saying this. They started the talks with the CFLPA. He mentioned that. That was a cursory mention. It was starting on Monday. It started on Monday. Uh, As far as the team... On the East Coast, they don't have a place yet, but they're hoping that once decisions are made, commitments are there, we'll be moving on that front. But the main conversation uh, that night was about expanding the scope of the Canadian Football League to include other countries like Germany and and Mexico and you you guys have heard all about it a few Mexicans are coming up to the combine three of them to be uh, in fact and we're going to see what kind of attention that draws now remember for those of you that are and it was it was uh, there at that at that meeting uh, what the heck are we doing thinking about expanding to Germany well we weren't expanding to Germany but the point is we're paying a lot of attention to what's going on in football across the world. Well, Randy's, Mr. Ambrosi, Randy's theory, which is sound in my opinion, is, and as I said in our interview with him, it's kind of going in the back door for places like here in Toronto, metropolitan areas like Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal that have a, an immigrant population. If you can make football international, maybe a lot of citizens who find themselves not being original Canadians, but landed immigrants, um, you know, who come here armed with their belief or their beliefs as far as sports are concerned and which ones are the best and, and which teams are the best, which athletes are the best. They come here with those learned experiences and, I guess if you can start getting into the head of other countries that the Canadian Football League is not as 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 Randy said it is the it is the second best league in the world you know it's not the it's not the the second best league in North America it's second best league in in the world and and the game can be played by people in the world now The headway that's been made internationally with football has been American football. 
which is three down rules. So I'm one, uh, sorry, four down rules. The Canadian game of three down rules has not uh, been something I think that Europeans and South Americans have experienced uh, much. But I'm curious. I really am curious to see how these other countries react to Canada's friendly hello, come hither, you know, or yawn, whichever way you want to go. How much those countries react positively to Randy Ambrosi's overtures. I personally think it's a great idea, and, and why I think it's a great idea is that if you can internationalize the Canadian Football League, it will help, I think, in places like Toronto. We do have an immigrant population here. We do have a population that understands and is raised with the belief that not only do we welcome new Canadians, we put them in prominent roles very quickly. You know, if you look on television, uh, people say, well, television should look more like um, what Canada looks like or what Toronto looks like. I offer that it looks less like Toronto and more like the new Toronto that's involved. We've gone to the point where, you know, we're, we're trying to welcome people so much that maybe we need to, as far as the CFL is concerned, be more on their terms following the way the political climate is. So we have to be more welcoming to immigrants and, and go out there and speak to them and let them know we want them as part of the Canadian Football League. And that means finding young players that want to learn to play the game of football from various backgrounds. And we know that there are a lot of immigrants here that love games like cricket, football. By football, I mean soccer. Should have just said soccer, right? And unfortunately, that's something that happens every time we discuss why is there no success in Toronto? Well, not many people even know what the game of football is. And for them, it means they don't understand it. And it doesn't have a similarity to anything other than rugby. So what I think is that they might understand it a little bit because rugby is a pretty popular sport in the world. It's a sport that maybe people can recognize. And the game of our football, Canadian football, is more of a more of it has more of a look uh, like soccer in the sense that the ball moves upfield um well i guess maybe rugby see the reason i don't think it it looks like rugby looks like soccer is because they're they're constantly they're constantly running and just like soccer they're carrying the ball the whole time at least with football, eventually they kick the ball. It is football. So, you know, <laughs> damn. And, and, that, and, and to me, that's why it has at least a chance. It, it looks like, like soccer. It, it looks like rugby. And so, therefore, people may be able to develop an understanding of the game. The other thing that happens is that you need to offer the opportunity to make the game attractive to people who don't really know the game. Well, how do you do that? Well, they're going to have to bring it out into the, into the community 
to help people to learn and appreciate the game. So how do you do that? Well, the Argos have come up with a great idea. They've worked out an association with flag football. Flag football is something that gives people an opportunity to learn about the game. Just noticed, we'll be, we'll be joined shortly by uh, Jim Pop. And it, it is a game that introduces the game of football, Canadian football, or, or even North American, you know, American football. It introduces them to the game so they can understand some of the basics of what the goals are, literally, in the game of football. Okay, we're going to take a short break from that, and we're going to welcome, I hope this time I have the right guy, um, the, third leading, uh, the third leading general manager success, Jim Pop. James, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm doing good. Glad to be on your show. My pleasure. I hope everything's okay. We were a little concerned with you. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I got a phone call that it went longer and that I sit here and then Mike's texting me and I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> so uh, but let me ask you, was it a football yeah. was it a football conversation? Hundred percent. It sure was. It well was then we forgive you. Then we forgive me. you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then we forgive you. Good. I'm glad it was that because I definitely didn't want to know any other reason for why you, you weren't available. So thank you for coming <laughs> on. I really appreciate it. Jim, first and foremost, you've got a team uh that you know, has had has had issues uh, in the recent, in the last year. But the year before that, you won the championship. Is that a fair definition of football and how unpredictable it is? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, it's um, listen. You don't you don't forget how to win uh, or win championships. You know, I've, I've been fortunate to be a part of several. Um, there's a lot of things that have to fall into place. It's not easy to win uh, once you tapped into it and you got a good system in place and people believe in it, uh, you know, you end up winning a lot of close games. If things just, uh, you can get off to a rocky start, lose confidence, try to rebuild that. So a couple things go wrong here and there, have some injuries and you may lose a lot of close games. So, um, you know, there's a lot to it. Uh, there's not any one, measure to it there's a lot that goes to winning and losing but there's such a fine line uh between there and uh i you know when we came in in 217 uh the team needed to improve in a lot of areas we got a late start we had some free cap money we just kind of let it play itself out we did not start out strong um we had a lot of injuries early and we got everybody healthy started playing our best football down the stretch and got on a hot run and, and won the Grey Cup. Uh, start out in 218, 21 of 24 starters were back. Uh, felt great about our team. Uh, had a great camp. Started getting injuries. Uh, we thought we had tremendous depth at linebacker. Almost lost every one of them. Uh, did not start out well. Lose Ricky Ray. Uh, had a tough schedule. We played... Uh, most of the Western teams early played a lot of them on the road um, and just did not get off to a good start. And it just kind of snowballed had probably the worst injury time that I've ever had in the CFL in my 28 years up to that point. But that's part of it. And you got to find a way, but we surely had lots of opportunities to win Uh, several reasons why we could have won and shouldn't have lost. 
And, uh, and there's other reasons why we were losing. So you got to just kind of iron those out, find the, the fine edge of why, and then try to change it. And we felt like we tried to do those things this offseason. Well, it, you know, it, it's a lot like bowling. I, I look at it as bowling. Once you let go of the ball, you really – that's it. Now, you just, now you're just a spectator to see how it's, how it's going to play mm-hmm. out. And I guess that's a lot what it's like to run a team. You know, you, you can't run in the middle, you know, while the ball's going down. That You might think – people think you can. Uh, for example, the impatience of fans that you have to deal with. Uh, there was at the, at the town hall, uh, people were, wanted, wanted Marcus Ball. And how, how difficult is it for people um, – why is it so difficult, do you think? I'm, I'm going to turn around and point it at you. Why do you think it's so difficult mm-hmm. for people to understand that you can't necessarily bring all the guys in that the fans want? Well, first we have a cap. <laughs> you got to you got to pick and choose every year how you're going to spend that money to be within that cap and try to make your team the best it can be overall with that amount of money. Okay, so you know people don't realize, but uh, about a third of your team changes every year. Um, the hard part for fans is is that you know there becomes an attachment to the player that's played a long time. They're the most well-known guys on the team. Uh, they've done the most in the community. They might have, you know, given the most in regards to whether it's championships or, you know, great performances. And that's probably one of the hardest things as a general manager or coach of deciding, okay, we got to go in a different direction. And uh, because we've changed our scheme, doesn't quite fit as well, that player. Uh, player's best days are not there. And, or, you know, we, we don't have a way to move them to a different position that, you know, that they can still continue playing uh, at a high level. But the one position they play, they may not be at their best anymore. Someone else might be a little better. So you identify where you need to do some things and, uh, and where you spend your money. And it, it, uh, it's just it's always going to be that way. Um, you can't make everybody happy. And you got to make these decisions every year. But uh, – um, you know, we surely have kept uh, a lot of guys that when we first got here in 217 that are tied to the team, we've kept them. Uh, we brought guys back. Uh, we brought other ones in. And, um, you know, we were fortunate to win a championship in 217, and we didn't have a great year in 218. So when you don't have a great year, there seems to be more changes in different areas. And, uh, but we're, we're always trying to improve the team. And that's not to get rid of, you know, former great players or, or guys that have been with the team. And uh, most players that are stars or are created being stars on that team, and I don't, I don't care what sport it is and what league it is, a lot of them never play their whole career there. A lot of them go on and play somewhere else for a year or two. Today, that's – Today, Jim, that's that's understood. That that that's, but yeah. for you, I, I don't mean to interrupt yeah. you. We, we only got a few minutes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so the, the short the short answer really would be anybody who has a credit card and goes into a mall and goes to purchase stuff knows they're going to have to pay for it. We're all on a budget, so it's that simple. Mm-hmm. I wish I could buy all the stuff I want. It just isn't going to mm-hmm. happen. It's that simple. Not and I hate have. to simplify it. Yep. <laughs> That's all it is. And, and so now you've got a team, you, you've got your coaches. You've got to be really happy with the coaches that you have here. You, you bring back Chamberlain, head coach, defensive coordinator, players love him. Um, 
in a, in, a, in a minute or so, what's so great about him and why is it so important to you that you brought him back here? Well, I, I, I saw it last, you know, in 217 working with him. I, one of the first times that, uh, I mean, I, I knew Corey, not like personally, but working against him, I saw the energy he brought. I saw how he motivated players. I witnessed it in 217. Uh, one of the most things that, that stood out with me was just talking to him early. Uh, he told me he trusted me, uh, my history of finding athletes and players that, um, uh, he would make things work with the guys he had. And that and he did. I mean, and he never asked for anybody. I watched him formulate a game plan week in and week out against who he played, put guys in their best position. So I, I've said this several times. I think he's one of the best I've been around in the CFL that gets the most out of the players and puts them in the best chance to, to be successful. Look in the dictionary, players, coaches, his pitcher there. Well, I, I listen. There's a lot of reasons why someone will say someone's a player, coach. Sometimes it's because practice is easy. Sometimes it's because they get their way with the coach. Uh, I don't think you're really going to ever get that from Corey. Corey's going to give you the best chance to win. I think what you're going to get from Corey is him telling you the way it is, and he's trying to help you. And if you listen to it, it's probably going to help you. And believe me, players want to be coached, and he's not afraid to. Uh, give the hard, tough, disciplined answer of why you're playing or you're not playing or why you want to be on the field or if you want to get better, you need to do this. And he, I think he's very respected because he does that. Oh, absolutely. And and part of it, I'm a firm believer that players want to win. So being a player's coach means you want, you'll win because that's important to players, I think. You you brought in a guy that you've had before, a guy who's very experienced to handle the offense and the quarterbacks in particular, and Jacques Chapelain. You had him back in Montreal. This is a very experienced offensive coordinator. How will he work with the three quarterbacks that you have right now? They're, they're similar in, in the sense that none of them have been really a, a, a number one quarterback, but all of them have shown the opportunity or the ability to be a number one quarterback. What's Jacques' job in regards to those three? Well, Josh is, I mean, uh, Jacques going to have to, He's, you know, he's been out of coaching for the last year. He has said he has studied everything everybody's doing in the CFL, what's having success. You know, sometimes you take that year off, you really can zoom in and focus in. You know, we, I heard you talking about flag football. Like Corey Chamberlain, when he sat out a year, coached flag football with kids. And he said it helped him immensely to get on that level with a kid that, you know, to get to their level and to simplify things that he realized when he came back to the CFL that, that he became a better coach because he realized how he had to simplify and get on everybody's level. So, you know, Jacques hopefully has had that experience of sitting out. Um, you know, Jacques was with Corey in Saskatchewan. So Corey picked his own coaching staff. Yes, I have some history with Jacques. Uh, he's a very intelligent coach. Uh, he's also brash at times, you know, with, with the guys. And I think that's something that um, because he's so smart that it's just a matter of them combining with each other. So he's got to formulate a system for each individual quarterback, not just say this is the system, get the most out of each one and create that relationship with them. And if he does, 
he will have great success and we will have great success because Jacques has done that in places. And people who have had success with Jacques when he's been the coordinator in BC love playing for Jacques. So, you know, both Corey and I have had a history with Jacques. We know what he's capable of doing. Dan DeRazio, the O-line coaches, had that history with Jacques. Uh, they can put and formulate an offense that may be a lot different than what we've been running. And quickly, because they work together, it's just a matter of getting the players on the same page, different terminology, and understanding the system for us to come out firing, firing on all cylinders. We know that you brought in a couple of new guys, uh, you know, and, and obviously very talented, like Chris Rainey. Those are the obvious guys. Tell us what guys that you brought in that maybe we might not know too much about that we should be looking at as my final question. Well, I mean, look, we went through so many guys last year. I mean, but outside of the free agents we signed, um, we had so many injuries that we had a lot of young players that um, – you know, really got to play some and even became vets, but people don't realize it. So, we, you know, we really don't have a lot of rookies. Um, you know, getting, you know, I, I don't think when William Likely came in last year that really anybody really saw what he was all capable. He ended up getting hurt. This guy was an unbelievable athlete at Maryland. He played offense, defense, and did all the returns. You know, he did all three phases. Uh, he really didn't – you didn't see that. You know, we have a kid, Mar- Mario Alford, on our team who is mm-hmm. – I mean, he is fast. And we really didn't do anything to highlight his speed last year. He showed up in preseason on some returns. Um, but, like, some of the newer guys uh, that we just added, I mean, I think – you know, we talked about the other day. I, you know, we're intrigued by the athletic ability of an all-way uh, uh, of, uh, you know, in his physicalness and presence – that if too many people haven't seen him. Antigua is so versatile of an athlete, you know, and I like finding versatile athletes we can move around. Corey does too. Uh, Ian Wild was sitting behind a great linebacker in Winnipeg and and um, was let go probably because of money and what role he was playing. And, you know, that was a gold mine for us because he fits into what we're doing. Um, so, I mean, I think what you're going to continue seeing is what we're going to try to continue upgrading our team with are, are guys that can be interchangeable athletes, that we don't get ourselves in trouble, that we're one-dimensional uh, and have people that can move around and try to keep the same people in the field, but, you know, they may play different positions. And Corey's great at that. And, uh, you know, offensively, we have a lot of our team back. I mean, you know, we need a pivot to really step up or coordinator to get the most out of that pivot and really just don't turn the ball over and let's get into the playmaker hands because we do have some playmakers and people may not see it that way because we really haven't tried to push the ball downfield too much, but it's, we have the capability of doing it. Jim, I could talk to you for hours but I'm sure you're a busy man. I bet you, I bet you the phone's ringing right now. And there's a deal on the fire just as we talk. I really appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to talk to us. Hey, anytime. I'll be happy to come on uh, and, uh, you know, and spend as much time as you need. I really would. But I appreciate your I, interest in not just our, our team, but the CFL and, and keeping that fire burning out there. It's a great league. We have a great product in Toronto. And uh, we want to get as many people out as we can to continue understanding and seeing what this is going to be all about. 
It's going to be a great year. Thank you very much, Jim. Jim Pop, general manager of the Toronto Argonauts, uh, a great uh, a great mind when it comes to the game of football. A guy that understands what it takes to win, has done it over and over again, and I assume he'll continue to doing it. We really appreciate what he's done, and we'll be back right after this. Thank you, Jim Pop. You know what being down by 20 at halftime means? Sweet, diddly, jack, squat. Why? Because you can storm back. I know it, you know it, they know it. Tucked into their little beds tonight, they don't want to be haunted by you crossing that goal line. Well, it's time to give them a nightmare and cross it. Well, here we go. Uh, a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. I had a chance to talk to Jim Pop. I hope he asked some of the questions that you might be interested in. You can notice that, uh, you know, we, we don't have much time to talk to these guys. These guys are very busy. Their time is, is something that uh, needs to be well spent. Uh, thanks to Mike Hogan at the Toronto Argonauts for getting us uh, the interview with uh, Jim Pop. We hope you've enjoyed the program. I'm Candid Frank. This has been CFL Talk. Tune in with us next time. Until then, have a great night.